Chapter 6, verse number 22 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. And I want to preach for just a, a few moments today. And I, I don't know if I'll preach, teach, or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but I want to talk today on the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. This was the blessings that were given by the, the priesthood in the Old Testament. And it continued on in the New Testament as well. If you would put your Bibles down and let's lift our hands to the Lord and let's ask Him to bless His Word and His preaching today. Lord, Your precious name, God, let Your Word go forth. Lord, anoint our ears and our hearts, God, that we might receive Your Word. Lord, let it go deep into our hearts, God. Change us, transform us. Lord, make us better for You, God. And we give You all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would clap your hands one more time to the Lord. Praise God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Reading through the Pauline epistles, uh, I discovered, and this was a, a little while back, and I just kind of had this thought uh, in mind, that in every one of the letters that they had written, that the Apostle Paul had written, uh, they opened by wishing his readers grace and peace. Now, not only were the Pauline epistles begun that way, but so were the letters of Peter and one of John's. So there must have been something there for the, the, the beginning of every one of the Pauline epistles to be opened up with the grace and the peace of God to be upon these people that they were writing to, that he was writing to. But when these biblical writers, when they, they said grace and peace, they were not just merely being polite. It wasn't like a you know, uh, greetings to you or some, you know, generic way of greeting the people. There was more to this than that. They, they were very meaningful words. So I began to research a little bit about what it meant to wish grace and peace upon somebody. But when you did this, it was the, the, the desire for them to have a wonderful and ex, uh, uh, clear experience with the Lord to where there's nothing in between. Uh, there's no boundaries or no uh, obstacles that were set up, but it was just a clear, meaningful relationship that they had with the Lord because we both need grace and we need peace, don't we? In order to have peace, I think we need grace. But whenever we have grace, we automatically have peace in our lives. So they were, it was just a, 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 a salutation or a greetings, if you will, of just wishing them an experience with the Lord that was just a, a right to the heart of God and where you knew him for who he really was and what he represented. Paul, Peter, and John were carrying on actually a tradition that was dated back almost 1,500 years prior a tradition that started in the time of Israel's wilderness journey during the, the time of the exodus, in between the exodus and the, the time that they found their promised land. So God would use this time to prepare Israel. He was doing everything he could do to, to make sure that they were prepared to, to walk with him. 
And understand everything contained in the Old Testament is explained in the, in the New. There's types and there's shadows. So the experience that he had with Israel and the relationship that he had with Israel would one day be the same relationship that he would have with his church. So everything done in that, the, the Old uh, Covenant had a meaningful purpose. There was a reason behind everything that was done. And so we today, as the church of the living God, we can analyze the entire scope of God's word from Genesis all the way to Malachi, from Matthew all the way to Revelation. We have an understanding of the entire plan of God and what he was trying to accomplish in his overall picture for the church of the living God. So God used this time to prepare Israel he used this time to set precedent for his church. And so one of the most important things that God did was to establish uh, the role and the ministry of the priest who were not only offering sacrifices unto the Lord, but they also led them in worship. And it's kind of like the worship leader today and the, those that are just kind of leading in, in the worship. And some of you are worship leaders that are in the congregation that are uh, uh, just scattered throughout that you, you begin to worship the Lord. You begin to... Uh, lead and, and, and show us the, the path of, of the avenue to the presence of the Lord and, and just kind of usher in that, that presence or usher us into the presence of the Lord. And it's a beautiful role that the, the priests would fulfill. But not only did they do this, not only were they offering the, the sacrifices and leading in worship, uh, but it was also a, a very important part of their ministry was to bless the people. That was what they were to do. That's what the priesthood would do. They would bless the people, but it wasn't from their own hands. It, it wasn't from their own goodwill or their ability or their, their intentions. It was so much further uh, beyond their ability to just wish blessings uh, upon a person. And so in Numbers chapter 6, and I'll get into that in a moment. In Numbers chapter 6, we read of how God's instruction for the priest was to say the following words. And we just read it, but I want to reiterate it again. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and to give you peace. And then he added this blessing at the end. They will put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. So he was pronouncing blessings and he was affirming these blessings upon the people of God. They had a special relationship with the Lord. And so God had a, a very special place for his people in the world. He, he wanted to make sure that they were, they were uh, uh, set apart, if you will, that they were special, that whenever the world, if you will, the, the, the people that weren't living for God, when they saw the people of God, they had an understanding these were a special called out group of people. Amen? Aren't you glad that we are not just the average that are out there? It's not that we're any better than them, but we have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. Now, you can talk about the salt and you can talk about the light. Uh, we can apply it any different way. But I want you to know we are the salt of the earth. Uh, we are the light of the world. Uh, we are not just to blend in with them, uh, but we are to be set aside. Uh, hallelujah. To be a people of God uh, that shows the way to live to the, for the Lord. Now, we learn from the uh, Levites and we understand from the actual book of Leviticus that the priests were to say these words with their hands held high above their heads. 
Now, this was to signify that this was not their blessings. This was not about the, the priesthood just shaking my hand or, or my great personality will uh, make you feel good and try to motivate you uh, through another week of living for the Lord. It was, they, they had nothing of that. They, it had nothing to do with the flesh uh, of, the, of the Levitical priesthood. It had nothing to do with the ability of them. Uh, but what they wanted them to know is that whenever they would lift their hands high into the Lord, uh, that those blessings were not coming from from man. It had nothing to do with a, a, a priesthood, if you will, or, or a group of, of men that have gathered together to be priests, uh, but it had everything to do with God. Uh, any kind of blessing that they were saying, uh, any kind of blessing that they were pronouncing over the people had nothing to do with flesh, uh, but it had everything to do with God. Uh, I want you to know whatever blessings we have, uh, they do not come from mankind. Uh, they do not come from our efforts, uh, but they come from a God uh, who's been very good to us uh, that loves his people that loves his church uh, that will show his forth his blessings uh, upon his people and so when the people gathered for worship the priests would offer up these sacrifices to establish them uh, and to establish the fellowship with God and so when they, they would raise their arms, uh, uh, the people would look and they'd say, aha, this has nothing to do with uh, their ability. It has nothing to do with uh, uh, their good words, but this is coming directly from the Lord right now. I, I believe that they had some faith, that they had an understanding that every time they were blessed, uh, uh, they knew it wasn't by their own hands. Uh, it wasn't by the, the priesthood, if you will, but it was from God himself. Uh, they had an understanding. Uh, they had a faith in God. They had a walk with God that, Lord, in Anything that comes good into my life, uh, it comes from the Father of lights. Uh, it comes from above. Uh, and I know that you are blessing my life right now. Now, what did it mean when the, the priest said, the Lord bless you? I looked up the Hebrew word. Literally, it means this. Uh, the blessings were offered on a bended knee. In other words, the blessings of the Lord were humbly offered by God. While he was on his knees, that was the picture of, of him just not just sprinkling out blessings like, okay, I'm going to go on and bless them now, and I'll, I'll go on and bless them, but not them. Uh, but the Bible lets us know that on a bended knee, God would offer up the blessings uh, unto his people. Uh, in other words, he's saying, I love you so much, uh, I'm going to serve you blessings. Uh, this is not about a powerful God uh, that is greater than humanity, uh, but I've got, I'm a powerful God, yes, uh, but I want to serve uh, humanity. Uh, in other words, I love you so much uh, that I'm going to offer my blessings uh, on a bended knee. Uh, very humbly, uh, I give to you. Uh, and I want you to receive the blessings uh, of the Lord that I give to you. And that is really the picture that God was trying to set forth uh, to the people. And so the Lord does the same for us today. Not only did he do it in the Old Testament, not only did he have a, a way of doing things back in the Old Testament, maybe the people didn't understand uh, completely because they didn't have that interaction with the Lord. Uh, they did not have that ability to go beyond the veil. Remember, the veil was still there. Uh, that veil had not been rent yet. Uh, so they were not able to go into the fellowship of God. Uh, and perhaps whenever they knew that blessings were coming, down and, and they knew that they were undeserved, uh, that they didn't truly understand uh, where they were coming from. Uh, they didn't understand that the sovereign God, uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, that Yahweh himself uh, would come down and on a bended knee uh, offer blessing to them. Uh, but I will say this, uh, the church of the living God today, uh, we have an understanding uh, of that bended knee. Uh, we've got an understanding of how good our God is. Uh, the veil has been rent. Uh, we come into the presence 
presence of the Lord. Uh, the great lesson we heard earlier, uh, the presence of the Holy Ghost uh, that was here during the worship. Uh, we can come in and say, God, uh, on your bended knee, uh, I accept the blessings of the Lord. Uh, I'm thankful for what you've done for me. Uh, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord uh, and to give you praise uh, and to render worship to you uh, because you bless me so much. Amen. Some of you are experiencing the, experiencing the blessings of the Lord. Uh, there's just something about the pronouncements uh, and the blessings of the Lord that go forth upon His people. Uh, they are real. They are true. Uh, and when it's a blessing of the Lord, it doesn't dissolve uh, and go away the next week. Uh, the blessings of the Lord, they're just maintained. Uh, they continue on, Brother Tom. Uh, they don't stop. They just don't shut off, Brother Jeff. Uh, but they continue on. Uh, the blessings of the Lord. When God opens the windows of heaven is what I'm trying to say. Uh, they continue on uh, upon the people of God. Uh, and I'm thankful that God is blessing uh, the church of the living God. Uh, and if you aren't being blessed yet, uh, I wish you would just open up the windows uh, of your heart right now uh, so the windows of heaven uh, can pour you out blessings uh, that only come from God. Praise God. Now the second part of the priestly blessing is Numbers chapter 6. It was called... Upon it, it was God calling upon uh, uh, His people, Amen. To 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 to, to let them know that I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you in a in a protective state. You know what good is the blessings of the Lord if the enemy comes in and steals them? Amen. You know I love to hear testimonies on Wednesday, or I love to hear the the blessings of the Lord, the text message, or a phone call, and and hear about how God did this and God did that, and uh, but it, it breaks my heart, you know, maybe a day or two later that everything that God had blessed you with uh, is no longer there. And it's all of a sudden the enemy has stolen everything that God has given me. I don't buy that for a minute. Amen. I know the enemy can come in and there's seasons and there's times uh, that he can wreak havoc and he can do all kinds of stuff. Uh, but whenever God blesses somebody, I don't believe that God blesses uh, to allow the enemy to come in and take it all. Come on, can I get a witness right now? I don't believe that God allows uh, the enemy to beat up his church and his bride and say, well, I'll just have at it right now. You can have anything you want from them uh, that I bless them with. Uh, amen. Very rarely does that happen. Uh, but I want you to know that God protects uh, his people. Uh, God lets his people know uh, that I'm going to build a hedge around you. Uh, I'm going to protect you and your family. Uh, and there's not going to be difficulty uh, that comes your way that you're not going to be able to handle. Amen. So basically, I'm going to put this hedge uh, all around you, uh, and I'm not going to let the enemy come in. He's not going to snatch away blessings, uh, but God's blessings is going to continue. Uh, they're going to rain upon his people uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, somebody ought to get happy right now. The blessings of the Lord uh, are going to rain upon your life. Uh, if you stay faithful to him, God will be faithful to you. I'm going to say something right now. What we need to do is we need to, we need to schedule everything around the things of God. Oh, come on now. We need to schedule our entire life uh, around the things of God. Not the things of God around my schedule, around my life. Uh, we need to make sure everything that's going on in our life or our world uh, is scheduled around the things uh, of God. Uh, in other words, we got to put Him first uh, and foremost uh, in everything we do. Uh, church, if we want the blessings of the Lord, uh, we got to seek first uh, the kingdom of God. I wish I had a church to preach to right now. We've got to seek Him uh, with all of our heart, uh, mind, uh, soul, uh, and strength. Praise God. Now, what 
good are those blessings? What good is the blessings of the Lord if we just give the enemy the credit for stealing them? Are these not staggering thoughts that Yahweh himself, the supreme almighty God, the creator of all things, would come down and bless our lives? When you really think about it, I mean, when you really think about it, yes, Brother Mobley, the Spirit of the Lord is inside of us. Yes, when we look into the mirror and we're beholding our, our image or the flesh that we have, inside of our being is the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. I don't know what that does for you, but that excites me. It means that I am not of my own. I am not a representative of my, my own volition and my own direction and my own uh, ways uh, or my own motives. Uh, but when I have the Spirit of the Lord inside of me, uh, I can say, God, lead me uh, and I will follow. Uh, show me the way, God, and I will be blessed of you because I'm following in the path of God. Now, I wonder if the Israelites, they, they might have had a little bit of, of trouble picturing God blessing them in this sort of way. But since God revealed himself 2,000 years ago, today that we should be able, the day, this day we ought to be able to identify the bended knee of God. We need to understand that God offers these promises to his people on bended knee. I was thinking about, you know, what this on bended knee really means. And so when you begin to look at it, it was probably most completely put into action in the incarnation of Christ. On bended knee, literally, the, the humility of God himself, bowing down and robing himself in fl filthy flesh or, or just f flesh that wasn't, uh, that's not godly or it's not supernatural or it's not, uh, it's not glorified, if you will. And that, that's exactly, he, he did not have glorified flesh. See, we don't believe in that doctrine of divine flesh that's floated around about 15, 20 years ago, and it became a real problem. And there's people that said that his flesh was divine. It wasn't flesh like uh, your flesh and my flesh. But that, that's not true at all. He robed himself. He, 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 he dwelt inside of flesh like you and I. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because until his flesh was glorified, they couldn't even touch him. You know, until he was glorified, he wasn't able to go to heaven. He wasn't able to, to be supernatural because he just had regular flesh. Flesh that bled, flesh that felt a lot of pain, flesh that was uh, tired, that was hungry. So the, the greatest blessing of, of God coming down on bended knee is whenever he said, I'm going to become man. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them, in fact, I'll tell you what my bending knee is going to be. I'm going to go to the sinners. Uh, I'm going to go to these the people that are, that are just castaways. Uh, I'm going to go to people that, that are just the rejects of society. Uh, I'm going to go to the people that have no ability to, to overcome sin. Uh, they're undisciplined. They don't have any kind of deliverance about them. Uh, and I'm going to go to them. Uh, I'm going to go to the worst sinner that you could ever think of. Uh, you talk about a bended knee. Uh, in fact, I'm going to go to the cross for them. Uh, that is God on on bended knee. Uh, it shows me that my God cares uh, about me and God cares about you. Uh, and he will show himself in a mighty way on a bended knee. Truly God has shown himself to be a God that has a heart to keep his people. We ought to give him some glory. God, thank you for being a hedge about me. God, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for bringing these things to me. Now, I began to think about what kind of, what sort of blessings does the, this prayer have in mind? 
whenever he starts to bless people or he tries to uh, help them and he becomes their Lord and their Savior. I studied a lot of the references to God's blessings in the Old Testament. And they're also in the New Testament, but I, I pretty well stuck to the Old Testament. And these are the things, this is the, the results that I got from the blessings of the Lord. Number one, he gives us material and physical needs that are, that are being met all the time. And that is in the Old Testament as well. He would defeat their enemies. He would make sure that he would flex his muscles. And he would show the, the world that, you know, I am the true God. You know, I'm the one that's going to answer uh, by fire. I'm the one that whenever Elijah's calling upon the God of, 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 of Israel to, to answer by fire, I will show that the prophets of Baal, they're just a, a bunch of fakes and phonies. Uh, but I'm going to show myself great. And, and so he, he defeated the enemy. He would give them uh, blessings. Uh, uh, the other one was their daily work and their fruitful labor would be rewarded. Uh, you see it all the time in the Old Testament. As long as they were faithful to the Lord, the Lord would be faithful to them. It's a principle that's over and over again. I'm not telling you anything new. That's established in the Word of God. It's a principle. Even the world understands that. Even the world understands that they will give 10% of their income because they know that that is the first fruits that are given. Whether it's to God or not in their mind, it doesn't matter. It's just a principle so ingrained in them that I want you to know if the world can do that, what is wrong with some of us that we can not have the faith enough to believe in the blessings of the Lord. Amen. I don't know how I'm getting on that, but I just feel in the Holy Ghost right now. The world understands uh, these blessings. Uh, they understand these principles. Uh, they're not selfish. Uh, they understand that they've got to give back. Uh, they've got to give back into the Lord. Uh, they've got to render unto Him. Uh, it's not about them. And I'll tell you one thing. Uh, they are multi-millionaires uh, and billionaires uh, that are blessed strictly by following uh, the principles of the Word of God. Amen. I don't preach like this very often, uh, but I want to establish something right now. You put God first in your life, uh, and he will give you the first fruits uh, of the blessings, uh, and he will pour out blessings upon your life. Amen. But if you're going to cheat, if you're going to take shortcuts, uh, if you're going to be stingy, uh, if you're going to steal, uh, it may not show up today, but one day uh, that principle will come. Uh, amen. And God will gather those things back. Anybody believe that? You don't have to believe me, but you got to believe the Word of God. Clap your hands to the Lord for His Word. Amen. You cannot rob God. You can't do it. Amen. But, they, but God would also uh, give them the, the, the understanding that they were the head and they weren't the tail. Now, these are just the regular blessings of the Lord. These are things that God would establish in His Word. And, and they're, they're good things. They're, they're things that will come back in the natural. Good principles to live by. Just faithful. And if you're faithful, you will become the head and not the tail. God will bless you. God's blessings will be upon you in those sort of ways. But, but the, these blessings went beyond it. And that, this is what I'm preaching about today. I know I parked there for a little bit, but I, but I, I want to let you know it's so far beyond just the, the natural things of this life. Uh, the Bible says and it shows us that the greatest blessings uh, is that of a faithful relationship with God. Amen. You can't get any better than that. Now, let me tell you this. The other things, being faithful, putting God first, all these you know, things that we know that we need to do, doesn't really matter a whole lot in eternity if we don't have a relationship with God. 
Now, in this life, it does, because I believe in principles. I believe whatsoever a man soweth, so shall he reap. So these are principles that are laid out. Uh, whether you're living for God or not, I think that they are just things that will come back to you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over. Okay, so these are blessings, but, but it doesn't do you any good in this life, beyond this life, if you don't have a relationship with God. And these are the, this is the blessings that I want to go into a little bit further in, the, in Numbers chapter 6. The priestly blessing of Numbers chapter 6 goes beyond the blessings of life. And I say, thank the Lord. Amen. I was, you know, I was praying on the deck this morning and just talking to the Lord, just sitting there and looking out, and it's just a, a beautiful morning. And I thought, you know, God, I, you know, this life can be wonderful, and, and even in the, the most perfect conditions, there's always going to be something that can go wrong, right? There's, there can always, you got kids, and there's always something you can worry about. You know, no matter how things are smooth and going great, you, the unknown or the future or whatever, there's always something to worry about. There's always something to think about anyway. And I, I thought, you know, God, this life could be just hand me everything perfectly, and it could hand you all just everything just exactly the way you want it. But this is still not heaven. And one thing I, I told the Lord, I said, this is not heaven, and this will never be heaven. If you're looking for heaven to be down here, then you're going to be sadly disappointed. If you're thinking that your life has to be smooth every day and there's not going to be any kind of problems or stress, uh, you're going to be disappointed every day. Amen. But whenever you have an understanding that the blessings of the Lord uh, go beyond this material world, that's what I'm trying to say here. Uh, all these blessings that God had given to Israel, thank God for them. They make, it makes life so much easier, uh, but that doesn't do you any good in eternity. Uh, we've got to have a hope beyond this world. Uh, we've got to have an understanding. Uh, I get to go to heaven someday. Uh, I will have eternal life with him, uh, free from any kind of problems or guilt or pain. Amen. So verse 25, the Numbers chapter 6, the blessing said this. Verse 25, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Man, how good is it then when in the midst of darkness... When things are just, your spirits are down, and you just feel the, the, the weight of life to, you know, be upon you, and just you feel a little bit of sadness here and there, to know that we have a blessing, and we've got a promise here that God's face will shine upon us. In other words, if you can't see any hope with whatever situation you're going through, and some of you are going through those type of things where you don't know the answer and you don't, you don't see the, the, the way beyond what you're feeling and those, those, those feelings that we have, those, those yucky feelings that are just there that you cannot get beyond and you don't see any kind of hope beyond those things. And then all of a sudden, the light of the Lord's face begins to shine upon you. It begins to give you the, the grace and the, and the hope that everything is going to be okay. Whatever you're worried about right now, whatever your fear is right now, I, I want you to know you, all you have to do is just put your faith uh, in the Lord. I, I'm not promising that everything's going to be all right, but I do know this. Uh, beyond the, the situation and beyond this life, uh, everything will be okay uh, because the light of God's countenance uh, and face is shining uh, upon you. Now, his light helps us to see clearly. 
we're able to see the brightness and, and have our, our understanding enlightened. And we know what's going on in the, in the world. And we, we see the enemy trying to move and, and uh, just do his work. And, and we identify that it's not really a personal thing uh, against me. Uh, it's the enemy just trying to work in the world. Uh, I, I want you to know a lot of things we take very personal, but it's not a personal thing. Uh, it's the enemy just trying to move in uh, and wreak havoc in your life. Uh, it's not that brother, that sister, that family family member. It's just the enemy trying to wreak some havoc in you. And you've got to identify and say, Lord, I want you to be the light of my salvation. I want to be able to see things for what they are in your presence. Amen. So when we're weighed down, it's wonderful to know that our God is gracious. Uh, we don't deserve it, but God is gracious. Uh, we ought to all point ourselves and say, you know what? Uh, you don't deserve it, uh, but He does uh, deserve the praise and the worship, uh, and He still gives me what I don't deserve. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord for that. He's good to us. He's so good to us. Amen. If God be for us, who can be against us? I mean, we can walk with a swagger. I mean, I, you know, when you're feeling good and you're feeling like you're hitting that ball or you're cleaning that house or you're cooking that meal or whatever it is that you do, men, ladies working, men cooking, I don't care. Whatever you're doing well, you just almost got that. <laughs> now, this is going to be good. My wife knows when she's hit, hit a grand slam. I mean, you can just see that swagger. <laughs> As she's walking to that table and just serving that meal. She just, I mean, she's just all over the place thinking, oh, I think you're going to like this. I think you're going to like And boy, we do like it. We love it because she's got that confidence that everything uh, is going to be all right. And that's a lot. Of, her meals are very, very good. There's not a, she ought to swagger all the time. But you know what? There's something about a, whenever we know that the blessings of the Lord are upon us, we begin to swagger uh, and we begin to think, hey, devil, take your best shot. Uh, if God be for me, uh, who can be against me? I've got a God that's able. He's exceeding abundantly above anything you can throw at me. My God uh, is better than you. My God is better than your worst shot uh, at me because my God is my Lord and Savior that cares for me and has grace for me. Amen. It gives me grace. Praise God. Amen. The third phrase in this priestly blessing, ask for the people, reality, the, the reality of God's people to be able to see that God's peace is upon their lives. They, they, they know it. it. It's revealed to them. They see it for what it is. And so the, the, the blessing is this. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. He, he looks at you. You identify him. And then all of a sudden, everything's okay. <laughs> you can't put money on that. I mean, you cannot put a price tag on that. When you know and you see him for who he is, in your darkest moment, you can see the light of God's glory. The, the best way I can explain this is whenever I, I remember... It just And you can re may relate to getting off the airplane. You haven't seen somebody in a while. 
and you're just looking around, you're trying to find their face. I, I remember uh, when we became engaged at Gateway in, in December, and then at the end of the year, she had gone home, and so we didn't see each other for a number of months, and it was, it was really a rough time of just the one that, that you know you're going to be with and you love and, and your whole life's going to be centered around that you don't see them. And I, I remember one time in particular, and this happened more than once, but uh, the one time I flew home, or I flew to Detroit, and I, I just, you know, whenever you're apart, you're, you know, you, you just all kinds of things like, will she be there? Will she even recognize me? Will she want to recognize me? And, you know, and so as soon as you make eye contact, nothing else mattered. I mean, there could be nobody, there could be a million people in that airport, but you wouldn't even know it because that was that one look, that one, those eyeballs that you're matching up with, uh, that you're looking at, and you know that, that everything's all right. Any question of her being there, gone. Any question of her wanting to see me, obviously that was gone. <laughs> I just want to embarrass her so bad. Actually, it was the other way around. I'm running up there. I'm swooping her down, and I'm kissing her and all that. But, hey, when you see somebody you love, and I mean, everything else doesn't matter. Nothing matters at all. I want you to know when we see God in our lives and we're at the darkest moment, uh, nothing else matters because I see the glory of the Lord. Uh, our eyes have locked, and I know that he cares for me, uh, and he loves me, and he's going to take care of my life. Amen. That's the blessings that we have in the Lord. Praise God. Romans chapter 8 lets us know whenever see the thing is when when we are living for the lord the bible says that jesus that is this that his sheep hear his voice jesus said it like this he said i i have such a communion and a connection with them that they know my voice and, and this is what i'm trying to say here folks that if you're not putting god number one in your life you cannot hear his voice oh i feel this in the holy ghost right now what you're hearing is the, the pull of the world. You're, 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 you're hearing the, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And, and so when you're not listening and you're not in tune to the voice of the Lord, it means that you are going to struggle trying to do what's right. Oh, I feel this very strongly in the Holy Ghost for some reason. For somebody needs to, somebody needs to hear this right now. If he's not number one in your life, if you're not so enamored by him, you're going to be pulled to do the things that you used to do. Amen? Do I have to name them? I don't think I have to name them, do I? Whatever it was that you had a struggle with, if he's not number one and you're not focused on him uh, and your eyeballs and your spirit and your soul uh, is not connected to his spirit, uh, then you are going to struggle. Uh, you're going to be frustrated. Uh, you're going to come to church on Sunday and think, why did I do that on Friday? Amen. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You've got to understand, you've got to sell out to him. Uh, you've got to say, God, I'm giving you uh, my entire heart. Uh, there's nothing left over, God. I'm going to offer myself uh, to you in my entirety. And so Romans chapter 8, whenever you fall in love with him and you're hearing uh, his voice and you know that you ought not to do that uh, because you know the voice of the Lord uh, and God's telling you not to do that uh, and you listen and you recognize uh, the voice of the Lord. Uh, Romans chapter 8 tells us, uh, Paul asks the question, what shall separate us uh, from the love of Christ? Uh, he starts naming one thing 
after another. Uh, but Paul answers his own question uh, by saying, Nothing shall separate us uh, from the love of God, uh, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, I don't care what comes your way. Uh, whatever the enemy throws your way, nothing uh, will separate you uh, from the love of Jesus Christ because uh, you have your mind made up. Uh, you are not going to be divided in your heart or mind. Uh, he is your number one. Come on, we need to clap our hands to the Lord for that. God is our number one. If he's your number one, clap your hands to the Lord. Let him know that he is number one in your life. Praise God. Amen. It is estimated that in our, all of the history of humanity, and I, I hope these stats are correct. I got them from a, uh, it seems like a reliable source. Less than 8% of recorded history can be described as times of peace. Let me say that again. In all the history of humanity, less than 8% of recorded history can be described as times of peace. In the last 32 centuries, there have been fewer than 300 years of peace. In 32 centuries, only 300 years of peace. Historians tell us that within the last 300 years, there have been 286 wars in Europe alone. And that from 1500 B.C. to A.D. 1860, more than 8,000 treaties of peace were signed and meant to remain in force forever. Yet the average time that they actually remained in force was only two years. This shows us that we as a society, we don't get along with each other very well. Amen. As a society, we don't get along. That's why the courts are filled. That's why Madison County is known as the Sioux capital of the world. Because people don't get along with one another. And so they have to call people in. They have to call judges in and, and try to, you know, the squabbling, uh, squabble that I have with my neighbor, with the, the person that I come in contact with has done me wrong. And so we have to bring in all these people, but, but these judges and lawyers. And, 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 but God says, in the midst of the world that we live in, and I'm talking about the entirety of the world. I'm not talking about just Madison County or Illinois. But in the whole world that we live in, the squabbling world that we live in, the Bible says that God came in a personal manner. And so he became a visual representation of peace on earth and goodwill toward man. Amen. That's the kind of world that our God came into. I said this, I think it was the Wednesday before last. What he could have done is he could have said, I'm going to start over. He could have done it with Adam and Eve. He could have said, ah, eh, wrong answer. Right at the beginning, I'm not going to deal with all this. But Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15 lets us know that from the very beginning, he already had a plan laid forth. He knew that he would become the sacrifice from the very foundation of the world. And so instead of starting over, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to robe myself in flesh. I'm going to dwell among them. I'm going to become their savior. I'm going to become peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I'm going, to, I'm going to inhabit that way. And so that's what he did. But, but it goes on to say this. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of, the, of, of God's household of faith. What he's talking about is a church. He's saying, in the midst of the war-torn world that we all live in, I'm going to have a church. Hallelujah. That's why I told Raquel yesterday, I can't wait to be in service tomorrow. 
That's why I tell my wife many times on Wednesday, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to be with the household of faith. Amen. We may not be perfect. In fact, I know we're not perfect. We may have our little squabbles here and there, and thank God we're in a good place right now. But you know what? This is the best thing going. This is the best thing going in the world today. And people that say, well, you know, people act better at my workplace than they do in the church, that's baloney. Amen. That, that's not right at all. Because, I, you know, when you live together, you see everything, don't you? We see our imperfections. I guarantee you, if you lived at that with the people at work, you'd see a lot more imperfections than you do for the two or three hours that you're with them. So don't ever, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't say that, well, there's better people at work than there are in the church. You know, I, they're more honest at work than they are in the church. I don't believe that for a minute. At least in this church. I pray in any church. You know why? Because we are, we're, we're not perfect, and we all, we all admit that, but this is the best thing going. We ought to be glad that we are a part of the church. We need to connect to it like we never have before. Because we are blessed to have what we have. So he's talking about the church. What he's saying is in the midst of the war-torn, unpeaceful world that we live in, there is an oasis of peace that is available in the church of the living God. Paul says that Jesus is the source of that peace that's within here. And this is the deal. If we ever make it about us and we make it about other programs and things and whatever, we will have lost all the peace. We will become like any other entity in the world that gets together for drinks or whatever they do, bingo or, or fellowship or meet, whatever they do together. We will become that because we have to keep the peace of Jesus Christ in this place. And the, the only way we can do that is by saying, Lord, when we gather together, this is your party. God, when we gather together, this is your service. Lord, when we gather together, this is about us lifting you up. God, when we gather together, you are the focus of everything that's done. It's not about me. It's not about anybody else, Lord, but it's about you being high and you being lifted up. Amen. I wonder if we could just stand right now and lift the name of Jesus up right now together. As the musicians come, let's just give him some praise right now. In the name of the Lord. God, I, I give you praise, Lord. We are, we're going to make sure, Lord, that you are... You are our peace, God. Lord, we want to make sure that your presence is in the house right now. The stock market may crash, God. We might get bad news tomorrow, Lord, but, but we do know that if we lift you up, there is peace in the house. God, everything's going to be okay as long as you are a part of what's going on in our lives. Amen. The peace of God in the midst of the storm. No matter what's blowing in, I want you to know that God is our peace. He is our refuge. He is our help. Amen. In the time of need. I remember Billy Graham giving an illustration. And it, it painted the, just the, the peace of God in a, in a perfect manner. And probably everything that I preached about, the, the protection, the peace of God, the, the love of God, all these things just kind of in this illustration shows us what it's like when you have the Lord on your side. And he said it was like, a, and it's a real short illustration, I don't want to build it up too much, but he says it's like on a cleft of, a, of, an, of an ocean, and all the winds are blowing, the waves are ripping apart, you know, everything that comes in its way. And, and he said that there's that little sparrow that's in the cleft of the, of the mountain, 
and it's got its little wings over its head, and it's just sitting there and real calm, waiting for the storm to pass. And I, this is the deal. When we have Jesus on our side, and we know that, that we're just doing the best we can, we're, and I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about making mistakes. Don't, don't ever fall into that trap. That if you're not perfect, you're not going to live for God. Don't, don't do that. None of us are perfect. I could tell you my imperfections and make you feel better. I could encourage you and just tell you, oh, you know, this is that. I'm not going to do it, but I could. Amen? We could all do that. So don't fall into the trap of being perfect. But if you put him first and you say, God, I, I messed that one up, but I'm going to get you back number one. Lord, I messed that one up too. I'm going to get you back number one. And as long as our goal is to make Jesus number one, and we work through those things that might be a problem. We need to work through them. I'm not saying you need to live your whole life living like that. But don't give up. Don't throw in the towel over a mistake. Don't, don't throw in the towel over a, maybe you're not in a good way right now. Your only hope is Jesus Christ. The world's just going to make it worse. Oh, it'll make it better for a while. The devil will make sure of that. He'll make sure you prosper for a while, but he'll take everything away from you. When it's all said and done, you'll end up with nothing. And then you won't even know. He'll make you think that you, don't, you can't even make your way back to the Lord. That's a life in the pits of hell. To every backslider, I want them to know that's a life in the pits of hell. Makes you think that there's a long road back and you've got to follow this all the way back to Jesus. No, all you have to do is go right, right here and you're directly in the presence of the Lord. And immediately God can forgive you of your sins. That sparrow, no, no worries, just sitting there. Amen. All the, the waves and the winds blowing. But that sparrow knows everything's okay. He's safe in the cleft of that, that rock. And I, I want you to know that we serve a God that offers that kind of peace today. Amen. Sometimes you'd be surprised at people that aren't living in, in peace. And they're living in constant fear and turmoil. I, I say no to that. I say, devil, get your hands off the people of God. Leave them alone. You know, God, devil, they're, they're doing the best they can. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving words and I need to finish my message from last Sunday. But sometimes we just, we talk to the enemy too much. David said, I'm not talking to you. Let me finish last week's message real quick. See, the, the, the Goliath wanted to engage in, in, in words with David. See, the problem is we try to. We try to talk to the enemy or we try to justify ourselves or we try to lay it all out. He said, no, you're not coming at me. You're coming at my, my God. So this battle is not mine. This is the Lord's battle. So the first thing we need to do is let's not get into a tit for tat with the enemy. We just say, no, this, this has nothing to do with me. This is between you and God. I'm out of here. You guys handle this. Right? And so whatever battle you're having right now, financial, whatever, worrying about kids, problems with kids, work trouble, whatever it is, physical problems, Sister Carrie, whatever your problem is right now, what you need to do is you need to say, God, this is a problem that I, I can't solve and I don't know what to do with, 
But Lord, I, I want to give this to you. And, and I promise you, the peace speaker will move into your situation. And he will take your problem. He may not take it away, but he'll take your problem. He'll take control over your problem. But you need to relinquish it over to him right now. And so as we lift our hands to the Lord, I want you to think about whatever you're, you're having trouble with. Amen. Whatever you're, deal, you're dealing with. I want you, number one, to first make things right with the Lord. I want you to say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for making you number two or number 30, God. I'm, please forgive me for not making you number one in my life. And God, I, I promise you, I'm going to do everything I can to make you number one in my life. I'm going to make sure that everything just comes together, God. I want to make sure that, that what you have to offer me, God, I, I can have because I'm living under the promises of the Lord. And so if you can, you can just let the Lord know that. You can open your heart up to him right now. You can repent. You can get things out of your heart and make him number one. I promise you that God will take whatever you have, whatever your worry is, whatever your anxiety is, whatever your problem is, God will take control of that. And he will, he will whisper peace into your life. He will give you whatever you have need of, but you've got to come to him and say, Lord, I cannot do this by myself. I've got a situation here, Lord, that I don't see a way out, but I know that you are God. You are the way maker, Lord, and I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to offer myself to you right now. Amen. I want somebody to know right now that nothing in this world will satisfy like Jesus Christ can satisfy. Nothing will satisfy like Jesus Christ can satisfy.